Please remain standing for the scripture reading today. Our passage is in Hebrews, as Pastor Andrew and Michael have been preaching on this passage in Hebrews. Follow along as I read this passage now out of Hebrews 2. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking, it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the sufferings of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through his death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery." For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the, sons of, for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would enable Pastor Andrew as he preaches, that we would hear the message that you intend for us today. As your Spirit speaks to us, may our ears be open, our hearts ready to receive. As we hear this today, Lord Jesus, we magnify you. We stand in awe of all that you have done on our behalf. You have come, you've given your very life for us, that we might have life through you. We pray, Father, that you would be with us now, direct our hearts as we hear this. We pray all these things now in the strong name of God. Amen. You may be seated. morning again. I'm going to try something with you here. It's the second time I've done this. I was corrected in the first service, and you'll understand why in just a moment. 
I have started sermons before with grammatical notations. Uh, you know, when we study language, we look at grammar, that sort of things. I have never started a sermon with an equation. Here it goes. F of X equals AX squared plus BX plus C. Do you got it? F of X equals AX squared plus BX plus C. That is, according to Google and my sources, uh, the, the equation for a parabola. Uh, if you got that, congratulations. Door prizes are at the back after the service. Um, I don't, you know, if we were to look at the definition of a parabola, it's points on an arc that are equidistant from the focus and the directrix. But if we want to just talk about what a parabola is, it, it's a smile. It's a, it's a jump rope. It, it's something that, that starts at a point, it, it descends in this case, and then goes back up to a similar or perhaps even higher point. Uh, but that is a parabola. You could have an inverted parabola where it starts down here, goes up, comes back down. You get the idea. We're talking parabolas. Why are we talking parabolas? Why, why are we even here? Because uh, the, the shape that the preacher to the Hebrew audience uh, is trying to imprint into their minds and hearts is, parabol is parabolic. Uh, Jesus' parabola and our parabolas. Uh, this is the shape of history. This is the shape of the gospel. This is the shape of the story that we are in. You certainly have seen it. We started uh, a couple of weeks ago looking at Hebrews chapter 1, and we said that this book was to a group of people who are very tired. They're very weary. They're having a hard time holding on. So if you remember that passage in chapter 12, verse 12, we read it in our litany earlier, they were the drooping hands, weak-kneed people. Chapter 10, they're, they're in the habit of giving up, coming together for worship, and they're asking questions like, is it worth it? We are seeking to follow Jesus. It's brought persecution onto us. Uh, it's brought all of these difficulties in our lives. We can't even see Jesus. Maybe it would just be easier if we worshiped angels or if we went back to Judaism with its sacrifices and its law and all of these different things. That thing, that would be a lot easier. It's Tangible, we can touch it, we can see it, and it doesn't have the kind of persecution. But the preacher is saying, that's not the answer. You know, you started with Jesus, you found grace with Jesus. Don't go back to these other things that can't meet you, but keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, consider Him, he says. See Him. We see it in our text even today. Over and over and over again, He's bringing us back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is this one who is high and exalted. Uh, the top of the parabola, if you will. He is the one who created all things, and through Him all things were created. He is the one in whom all things hold together. This is the glory of who Jesus is. But this Jesus has descended. 
And, and he has become, in verse 9, a little lower than the angels. He has been crowned with suffering and death. He has brought many sons to glory through suffering, through his death. Verse 14, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. Verse 17, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. He who was exalted became low. This is what we're talking about in this season. We're talking about the incarnation. Next week, Monday, uh, is Christmas Day, the festival of the incarnation. We celebrate the fact that Jesus, who was glory itself, became abased, became humiliated, became incarnate, entered into the world in the form of a of a little baby. Why? In order that, verse 10, he might bring many sons to glory. Uh, the, the parabola returns, you know, from glory to glory uh, through the valley of humiliation. Why does Jesus do this? Uh, well, we're going to see several reasons, but, but one of the reasons is, is that his parabola matches our parabola. And that's the, the whole point of what the preacher is saying here in the beginning, verse 5. So last week, we, we talked about angels, and Michael unpacked that for us. And <clears throat> we recognize there's a certain majesty or a certain glory to angels, so much so that if, if we were to meet an angel right now, we would be tempted to worship. Uh, just like John was in Revelation when the angel comes and begins to show him various things, John lays down and he's, he's tempted to worship and the angel says, no, 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 don't, don't worship me, I am a creature just like you. Uh, these angels are majestic and they're glorified, but notice what the preacher says in verse 5, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking, but it has been testified, and now he's quoting from Psalm 8, what is man that you are, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little while lower than the angels, but you've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. What he's saying is that the, the pinnacle of God's creation was humanity. Humanity, which is lower, sort of in the universe, kind of from heaven to earth, uh, than the angels, but is higher in the sense that it has a rule and authority, and humanity is the image bearer of God. Everything is subject to humanity, not to angels. Uh, and, and, and he emphasizes that this is where we have started, but we haven't stayed there. So the parabola descends, and, and we see that in, in verse 8 toward the end. He says, now in putting everything in subjection to him, the him here refers to humanity, he left nothing outside of our control. But at present, and this is where the preacher now engages their situation, at present, 
We don't see everything in subjection to humanity. He's saying you're struggling. You're not realizing this is what you were created for, but your present situation isn't the fruition of that. You're not experiencing that, and it's difficult for you right now. And so, he says, in order for our parabola to ascend from the depths, we need somebody to rescue us. We need somebody who can come in and identify with us. We need somebody who can grab us and take us to the heights that we were created for. We need a champion. We need a Savior. And that's the whole point of the story. He's saying Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who has matched his parabola with ours. You know, we started in the heights. We descended to the depths. In order for us to return to the heights, as it were, uh, we need a champion. We need somebody who can take us in his wake. One observation before we go on to the second point. Uh, The observation is this. You know, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest celebrations that we have during this Christmas season, during this uh, festival of the incarnation, if, if you will, is that we, we have a God who is willing to descend. We have a God who is willing to get, uh, get messy, to get involved He doesn't just stay aloof. He's not just watching and saying, oh, they they look like they're in trouble. (laughs) I wonder what we could do about them. Or maybe we should call somebody. He says, no, I am going to go. I am going to get involved in their world, in their descent, in order that we can affect their ascent. How does he do it? That's the second observation for you this morning. So the first is that parabolas are, are the shape of the gospel story. Uh, secondly, the pinnacle of these parabolas is actually at the nadir. So the nadir is, is the low point. The low point where we feel like all is lost. The low point in a narrative. You just feel like there, there's nowhere, there's no further down that we can go. In the gospel story, that's actually the high point. What do I mean? Well, there are several ways that this text seeks to show us to that. You look at verse 9, we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So Jesus entered into our story for a little while, came down out of heaven, uh, and, and entered into our story. And He is crowned with glory and honor. We're like, yeah, absolutely. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. But then we keep reading and we see that He's crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Do you you see how unexpected this is? 
Like we, we normally think about crowning with glory and honor because you've won. You've entered the tournament and, and you've gone through all of your opponents and you end up in the winner's bracket and, and there you are crowned with glory and honor because you have defeated all that have come. But what this story is telling us is that he tasted death And that death, that suffering, was actually the victory. It comes up again in verse 14. The children share in flesh and blood. He himself, likewise, partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So what we're seeing here is that Jesus was willing to enter not only into our story, but to go to the absolute bottom and to taste death, that thing that we are afraid of, and and rightly so, because death is an enemy. Uh, And this thing that, that has marked us, and for many people, if you are outside of the Christian faith, you're not walking with Jesus, you don't have sort of this way of viewing the world, death is the final, final, final thing. There's, there's nothing that comes after death. Jesus tasted of it, but for him, that was his point of victory because death couldn't hold him. Because he was righteous, because he had no sin to pay for on his own, death couldn't touch him, it couldn't hold him, and he arose the victor over the grave. And so that's why the New Testament tells us that that through Jesus, death has lost its sting. And not only that, Also, the judgment has lost its sting. You look at verse 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. So again, you see the preacher just sort of building his argument, and he keeps saying, we look at Jesus, we're looking at Jesus, he's the high and exalted one, he's the most glorious one in all creation, and yet he became like us. He became like us so that he could attain glory and honor, but it's not what you think, it's glory and honor that comes through suffering and death. Why through suffering? and death because in his death he defeats Satan and in his death he becomes a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people wait a minute pastor I don't know that word Uh, welcome. A lot of us don't know that word. We have to figure out what it means. Propitiation is this idea of an atoning sacrifice, an appeasement. There is God who is the just judge. Uh, So maybe something happens in your household, something happens in my household, and, uh, you know, Moses has done something, and, and it was wrong. He shouldn't have done that, and he is accountable Uh, But somebody comes in and says, I'm going to pay for Moses, uh, and that turns away my just wrath against him. It's appeased. It's it's propitiated. Uh, and, And that's what Jesus does. So not only does he defeat death, uh, but he also appeases the wrath, the just wrath of a holy God. And so here's the story. It's that Jesus enters out of glory into our mess, 
in order to defeat our two greatest enemies. Now think about this again from the perspective of this first century church. They're looking out and they're seeing Rome. They're looking out and they're feeling persecution. They're looking out and they're, or they're looking in and they're feeling tired and they're feeling like they can't hang on. And, and, and he says, consider Jesus. He's con- defeated your two greatest enemies. You have no fear of death and you have no fear of judgment. Uh, and, and he says, because of that, you can hold on. You can you can uh, continue to go forward with strengthened knees, with hands that are, are no longer drooping. You can hang on to Jesus. Remember in, uh, well, maybe you don't remember, but Hebrews 9, 27, you know, he's going to come back to this. Remember, this is all one sermon, and so this all sort of hangs together. But in Hebrews 9, 27, he says, all of us, Uh, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Uh, And and this is the reality. As we we come together, all of us share in this humanity. One out of one of us is going to die. Some of it, for some of us, it's close at hand. We We don't know when it is. It could be me. Could be somebody who's got a few more years under their belt, but all of us are going to die, and all of us are going to face the judgment. And what the preacher is saying here is he's saying, if you really want courage for this life, if you really want to be strengthened in this life, consider Jesus. Because He, through His incarnation, through his willing sacrifice of himself on the cross as one who had no sin of his own to pay for, but willingly took on our sin. He he has taken us through both death and the judgment. And, And we are connected to him. And that's why he says he is our champion. He is our archegos. It's the word in in verse 10. Uh, he says it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. That, that word founder there is the Greek term archegos. It's a pretty, it's, it's got a fairly broad lexical range in it. It can mean things like founder or pioneer uh, source. It can mean something like captain or champion. But the idea is, is that it's somebody who goes and, and earns uh, a, a way for uh, the rest of the people. He's the one that, that brings it in. I think William Barclay, who's an older commentator, he uses the image of a boat that is capsized off the shore and somebody swims to shore, hauling a rope with them. And uh, then by means of that rope, they're able to haul the boat into shore. And that's the idea here. Jesus is the one who has gone before. He's defeated death. He has earned our righteousness in order that we might follow in his footsteps, in order that we might be brought to glory. He is our founder, our champion, our captain. 
He is the one that we look to, and, and the preacher just keeps saying, consider him, consider him, consider him. That is, of course, the big question, you know, as we come to Christmas, we, we're going to celebrate and we sing all these songs and uh, there is a, a warmth, a, a literal warmth outside, uh, but there, there's a, a warmth to the season, a warmth to family, a warmth to uh, our time together, but it's not just sentimentality, it, it's, it's Jesus coming as a human in order to, to take our sins, in order to enter in, in order to be the victor over death, over sin, uh, over judgment, all of those things. Consider Him our, our champion, our archegos. And what's the result of it? Well, I've already given you a, a little bit of a hint of this. You know, verse 10 he says that, that he would bring many sons to glory. Uh, bring many sons to glory. So the word son there is not gender-based. It is obviously sons and daughters. But it is uh, socioeconomically based in that, you know, these sons, these sons and daughters, we receive all of the benefits of being full inheritors of everything that Christ has earned. And, and, and what is being told us here is that as Jesus ascends into glory, as Jesus sort of finishes off the parabola, we, we are brought with Him. And, and we also ascend into glory as full inheritors of the righteousness of God, as full inheritors of the, the right to be in the presence of the glory. You think about that? You know, some of these uh, songs, we, we sing a lot about glory. We sang it earlier this morning, glory, glory to the King of Kings. Uh, you know, the angels singing Gloria. That's it. That's all I'm doing on that. Uh, we, we sing all kinds of glory o over, over Christmas. But what do we mean by that? And, and what is the promise of that? And that's really what this preacher is inviting his people to see and to hear. Uh, he's saying, you're struggling right now because you're in the drudgery. And we can relate to that. We're, we're in the drudgery, either because of circumstances outside of our control, or because of choices that we've made, or you know, because we have wandered away, we're drifting. Remember, we talked about that last week in verse 1, we're, we're drifting from Jesus. We, we don't see the glory. We don't experience the glory. All we're feeling is the drudgery. Jesus says, consider him who is bringing many sons to glory. Think about the glory. Be filled with the glory. Occupy yourself with the glory. Sometimes, you know, other people have observed this, and I think about it from time to time. You know, we, we go from earth to heaven, and it, it happens in a moment. We die, and you will be from earth to heaven. And that is a pretty big disjointer. Uh, it's discontinuous. You know, we, we go from the things that occupy us here 
to all of a sudden being in glory and, and being occupied with Jesus and with the glory of God full time. But it doesn't have to be that big of a disjoinder. It doesn't have to be wholly discontinuous. In fact, you know, maybe we need to think about the glory more and occupy ourselves with the glory more so that, you know, our life on earth when we're translated into heaven will be something that we recognize. You know, will be something that we see. I, I think about that sometimes. I see people pursuing everything that the world has to offer uh, in terms of money and power and success and fame and love and sexuality and all of these different things. And yet they talk about wanting to go to heaven. And, and you think, you know, heaven is, is so different than pursuing those things. It's about Jesus, and it's about God, and it's about being occupied with Him. 1677, there was a guy by the name of Henry Skugall. He wrote a book called The Life of God and the Soul of Man. He said, what does the life of God in the soul of man look like? And he says, humans who are truly taken up with God... And I don't say this uh, to, to shame anybody, but it, it's really an invitation for us to, to cast our affections higher, uh, to cast our affections more deeply into God. He said that person uh, is, experiences a delightful and affectionate sense of the divine perfections which makes the soul resign and sacrifice itself wholly into Him, desiring above all things to please Him and delighting in nothing so much as in fellowship and communion with Him and to be ready to do or to suffer anything for His sake or at His pleasure. Do you see what, what the Scriptures are, are encouraging us to, what this preacher is telling this congregation uh, who is so beaten down, saying, you are stuck in the mud. And he's saying, lift your eyes up and consider Jesus, consider the glory, allow that to fill your heart and your soul, and you will recognize that we'll, while it may not change your circumstances, it will change your approach to your circumstances. It will change how you interpret your circumstances because you know that it's but a light and momentary affliction. Because you know that Jesus was crowned with suffering. And so therefore, we think about our suffering different. You know, the world tells us you think about suffering only in this one way. But the gospel tells us that suffering is actually the path to glory. And so we begin to think about our world and we begin to think about our life in the world so differently as we recognize what he's saying about glory. And then the second thing that I will say uh, as we come to this last observation uh, that there, there is uh, praised in glory is not only is glory the place where we see Jesus and we are occupied with the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, uh, the Holy One. You read through the book of Revelation and you just see so many senses of, of the glory and the worship 
uh, that takes place there. But here's the best news of this whole passage, is that in Christ, and what do I mean by that? I, I, I mean, if you are in Christ, if you have truly surrendered your own self-salvation project, you, you've recognized that I can't do it on my own. I can't do it through morality. I can't do it through seeking my own uh, fulfillment and desires in any other way. Like I've given up on, on finding happiness, salvation on my own, and I am surrendering to Jesus. I'm putting my faith in Him. These are some of the words that we use. I'm putting my faith in Him. If you have surrendered to Jesus, if you are in Jesus, you are so connected to Him, so united to Him, that when we arrive in heaven, we belong. He's not ashamed, the Scriptures say, to call us his brothers, his sisters. You know, the, the picture is we're all there with our captain, with our champion, and, and we're worshiping God. And I'm looking around at everybody there and I'm saying, you know, I kind of know what they did in life and do they really belong there? And, and then I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, what am I doing here? Like, I, I do not belong here at all. But Jesus is looking out, and because of his finished work, he says, you belong. You belong. This is your spot. You are my brothers, and you are my sisters, and my righteousness has filled you. And you may not think you belong. You may be looking across and saying, what are they doing here? But I am looking at my brothers, and I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed to call them mine. We are brought into the family of God. And can you imagine what this first Hebrew congregation you know, heard when they heard that? They're like, we're failing. We're failing in everything. We, we can't even get to church regularly anymore, Hebrews 10, 24. We're, we're failing in, in holding fast to Jesus. We're drifting. We, we have no hope. But he says, no, remember. Remember, it's not about you. You have a champion. And your champion has come from the heights of glory through the mud all the way through death. He's taken on your sin, your brokenness, and He has ascended. And He is bringing many sons to glory. It, it wasn't enough that Jesus Himself uh, ascended into heaven. If you remember in Hebrews chapter 12, there it, it says, uh, Jesus endured suffering for the joy set before Him. What was the joy? The joy for Jesus, I mean, he, he had been in heaven before, but He hadn't been in heaven with us. He hadn't been in heaven with the, with the church, His bride, who He came to win. He hadn't been in heaven with the brothers and sisters who He's not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And this is, this is your story that you are invited to inhabit. We all have to inhabit a story. And this story says, 
It's here. It's yours. Step into this story. Step into this parabola. Glory to humiliation to exaltation. Back to glory. Know that this is your story because of Jesus, who is your champion, who has swum to shore in such a way that He could pull many sons to glory. Many Children who are going to be sons of God experiencing the, the grace and the joy and the belongingness of God. I think about shame. You know, when it says he's not ashamed to call us his brothers. So many shame messages that, that attack us day by day by day. There's, there's legitimate shame, things that we've done. We, we call it guilt. It's godly guilt and it leads us to repentance. But there's so much shame that fills us. Illegitimate shame. All of these messages like you're worthless, you're dirty, you're perverted, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're unwanted, you're not talented, you have nothing to offer. All of these messages. And Jesus says, you don't have the right champion. Look to me. The author, the founder, the perfecter of your faith. I'm not ashamed of you. I am not ashamed to call you my sister or my brother. How many of you came in drooping hands, weak knees? How many of you thought this week about giving up? Join the crowd. Right? We, we all feel that. You know, this is one of the things about Advent is we're, the children who are walking in the darkness, we, we feel the, the weight of it. But the good news, the gospel is a light has shone. Consider Jesus. He's the champion who has come by giving His very self taking on all of your muck and mire, and he's not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister, as we praise together our God in glory. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, we thank you for the, the true, true, true good news of the gospel. We need it. We, we know what it's like to be tired, to be beaten down. We, we know what it's like to feel our grip slipping and to begin that process of, of drift. Oh Lord, lock us in. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts uh, with the deep, deep love that you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have for your people that you would uh, match our deadly parabola with your own that brings us out of the muck and mire uh, back to the exaltation. Father, help us uh, not only to uh, inhabit these truths this Christmas season, but Lord, I, I pray that you would loose our tongues, uh, that you would help us to share. We're going to be with lots of people over the course of the next week or two that, that are tired and worn out and looking for good news. Lord, we pray that you would help us to... Uh, have uh, words of, of, of beauty, um, words of, of treasure that we would be able to point to Jesus. We pray this all in His name. Amen.